Hello, handsome. Care for a rubdown? I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Something special is about to happen. Are you waiting to receive my lift penis? Very Yeah, g'day rubbers. Welcome back to the Weekly Rubdown, a podcast that rubs down everything NRL Supercoach. You are listening to the preseason injury rub for the 2024 season. I'm your host, Natty. With me as always, running shotgun in the rub is Wooker. But of course, we were rubbing down injuries. We need another set of hands, baby. Brian Sini, the NRL physio. What's going on, mate? Gents, uh, I was just saying to you uh, off off air, it has been a pretty full-on start to the year for me outside of NRL Physio. Uh, <laughs> work's pretty hectic. Uh, yeah, it's just been full-on. And then, oh, uh, yeah, trying to get the injury profiles out and get all the preseason stuff, which I know for you guys, sort of preseason's that really busy time of the year. So it probably isn't as, like, you know, important for me, like during the seasons, you know, where all the action is and the injuries are happening. But, uh, yeah, the injury profile profiles definitely took it out of me as well so i'm glad to sit down just uh chill out not uh not well i'll be using my brain a little bit more just talking a bit of rot for an hour or so or two hours yeah that's right just just firing well it's a good time because the i'll give him a plug already the injury profiles came out today so it's all fresh in my mind um i should i should hopefully be good to go for tonight those things are written in gold 100 absolutely as, as we always say at the start of our rubs this is brought to you by the Rubdown Patreon, but also brought to you by the NRL Physio Patreon. It's a perfect duo. Get on there. Get amongst both of them. You've got all the stats, rankings, but also now the injury profile. Stop it. If you can't win your league mm. when you're a Patreon member of those two, there's something wrong. Please. Yeah, and, and those injury histories as well, you, you can really dive into the injury risk moving forward for a few players as well. 100%. Now, I'll also give another plug to the podcast you guys did with Simo and uh, the Big Dick Energy podcast that we like to. <laughs> I still, uh, I still can't get. I, I can't get past that voice. One of the I most can't. awkward uh, names for a podcast you'll ever ever hear. But yep, we love him. What a legend! Yeah. Now oh, that's, oh, oh. I'd say that's probably part one, right? You guys sort of did a really good scope of a lot of players, talked classic, talked draft, talked injuries. And I guess this is going to be part two because we're really going to be diving in to draft specific stuff and really mm. diving into how those injuries are going to uh, affect return to performance, but also how that's going to affect your drafts as well. And this is why we get you on, Brian, not only because you, you know injuries inside and out, but you're a really good draft player. So when you start talking about those injuries, it's really good to get your opinion on, okay, I wouldn't take him round three. I'd probably push him back to round four, round five. And I think that's what, you know, the rubbers really get a real good grasp on how they're approaching their drafts when they're talking about or looking at guys that are coming back from an injury or have sustained an injury um, over the preseason. It's just, mate, it is fucking draft gold. I have to hold you back there, mate, because I, I always thought Brian was a, was a classic guy, wasn't he? It depends <laughs> on his ranking. 
Mate, so if he's low ranking, he's a classic guy. If he's got a high ranking, he's all about draft. It's pretty yeah, exactly. much the guru as well. You talk to oh, the guru oh, whether he's a classic or draft guy, and it depends on his ranking. Guru invented that move. Oh, <laughs> so good, boys. So good. No, I've been, um, I, I've certainly been dabbling in classic a little bit more the last couple mm. of years to make sure I'm keeping up to date with the players that you know that people want to know about. I think that's probably where it's most valuable to me, but. Yeah, I think the uh, the same frustrations that I have with classics still remain, and the same enjoyments that I have with drafts still remain. So, yeah, I, I think at in essence, boys, I will never not be a draft guy. Big draft guy. Wow. Big draft guy. The chat. Love it. Aren't we all? All right, well, without further ado, let's stop pussyfooting around and get in. Play a nice little intro here, Brian. If the media board works. Injured, in fact. Oh, I've suffered a bad case of syndesmosis. The most common is a direct blow to the head. Also, the pec injury can come into play. Or the best one, lateral collateral ligament. Perhaps you could toss me a band-aid or some antibacterial cream. Get up, tough it out, you'll be right. There you go, hey. Your own little intro. Love it, oh, mate. I love awesome. it. It scares me. It scares me that there's that much of me out there on the internet. Oh, no, there's there's plenty. The, there's yeah. plenty, bro. Don't worry. I had, to, I, had, from. I had about 10 minutes of footage to just clip up and do what I wanted with. It was very good. Oh, very good. God. All right. So as always uh, on the preseason injury rub, we go through sort of uh, body parts. So we start at the head, work our way down to the toes, talk about guys and their injuries. I'll just say their names and you can – Tell me what you think about their injury, how that's going to affect their draft. And then at the end, we'll talk about some guys that you think are booms because of their injury and also busts because of their injury. That's cool. Oh, I'm excited for that. You'll uh, Hopefully, you can do better than Adam Dewey. Yeah, I mean, uh, we won't. Yeah, we won't I'm going to put it out there. You hurt me in two drafts there. Up, uh, hurt me in every, I'm ready hurt to be in hurt every draft. <laughs> like, I know it was about seven drafts last year for me, oh, so no. I'm cutting down this year, hopefully. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so I can make less mistakes. Time to redeem yourself, mate. Yeah, okay, I believe right. in you. I believe in you, I bro. still believe yeah. in Adam Dewey, boys. I still believe. He'll come even back. To this He'll day. come back. He'll be back. Listen to yeah. you two. Just call it quits, boys. 2025 <laughs> by the year. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be a long, a long oh, recovery. Oh, wow. All right, let's start at the uh, head. Uh, so we've got C&K suffered a couple of concussions, a couple of bad ones as well in 2023 mm-hmm. season. Also Mitch Barnett with his neck injury. Um, what can you tell us about these two guys? Um, CNK, not too much to be concerned with. I think at the time, yeah, it's all a bit. I, I was quite frustrated with the concussion rules last year. I think, like a lot of people were, um, with this whole like 12 days, not 12 days, mm. uh, you know, because they kind of. I think effectively what came out is they made it 12 days so that all players would miss at least a game, but not two. But they didn't look at the draw and see that Anzac Day fell where it did because it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever it ended up being. And it meant that those Storm and, and, and Warriors players would have to miss two games, right? And so then they kind of shit themselves and went, oh, yeah, no, like... 
it's not actually 12 days. It's it's 12 blocks of – it's 12 nights or it's 12, like, you know, it was something. It's whatever it works no, yeah. best for us That's, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was just all over the shop. Into. So that was um, that was a bit frustrating. No, hmm. not too concerned about CNK. The one who I think – and I might save him – Till the bar Slater to talk in depth about him, okay. and I think we talked we talked about him last year. But it's it's James Tedesco again with okay. those concussions. Like we'll Ooh. dive into that because I like he's definitely on my list there. Uh, but yeah, CNK not overly concerned at this point in time. Uh, Mitch Barnett, yeah, I just wouldn't draft him. It's that simple. That yeah, net, right. oh, wow. Yeah, it's like it, uh, it's kind of my reasoning behind a lot of these guys who like he was discussing retirement at like at midpoint last year. And it's always my, I, I guess my justification for a lot of these things is just because he played well for, you know, three or four months to finish the season. It doesn't take away the fact that he was in significant trouble that, mm-hmm. that neck injury is the type of injury that doesn't go away overnight. And after six months, 12 months, the, those discs still aren't, you know, aren't fantastic. And as we know, like, you know, crusher crusher tackles can happen in really innocuous ways as well. So yeah. he's just somebody who, yeah, look, if he, like I, when I say I wouldn't draft him, just where he's going. Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. like I'm sure yeah. somebody else is going to take him before I even consider him because I'd just much rather, even if I'm getting to my bench guys, I would much rather take a shot on a, uh, a Steph or Tokamanu or something like that. Some young guy wow. who has a bit upside, who doesn't have those, you know, major, like I could retire injury concerns, which yeah. uh, Mish Barnett has. I mean, it's pretty wild. Um, I had him I had him pretty high just based on what we saw from him earlier on last season. But yeah, it's kind of eye-opening how serious that injury was. So yeah, I think um, we're, we're about to release the... Um, our draft chart sort of thing. So I might be having to push him down the list and re Like I think, that, exactly. that, well, the thing is, the thing is with him, right, mm. is that when he is out there and not injured, I'm sure he'll be fine, right? Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's the thing is that if you draft him, it's not like, I'm risk. not like saying he's not going to put, like, and we talk about, like the two main components that I look at and that I have value in for listeners is injury risk and performance, right? Mm. They're your two components, right? Here, huge injury risk, not much performance implications. So performance-wise, I'm still expecting him when he's out there. If you draft him and he's healthy for the entire season, I expect him to do well. I just would Mm. be surprised if he's healthy for the entire season. Yeah, and I guess with with those sort of risks, the return on the risk is not not hugely high because he's a base-first sort of player. And we'll talk about – well, we're going to talk about a lot of guys who have huge injury risk – who I'm still drafting extremely high because of mm. their upside, right? Like yeah, the upside yeah, is yeah. huge. Yeah, the, so the juice always, is worth the squeeze. That's right. So I'm always happy to take a risk on a guy with injury risk if the upside is there. Yeah. A guy like Barnett, like you guys talk about it all the time, how many blokes can you get in round 10, 11, 12 who are going to average 50 to 55 yeah. and, you know, just do your job, which is probably what Mitch Barnett's going to do as well. And you're going to be drafting him in that front row forward spot anyway. So yep. 100% agree. Who the fuck cares about front row forwards anyway? So, <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you. Wait, one of my buyers of the year this year is a front row forward. So you boys just calm down on the front row forward. I, I know, I know two good ones. So I'm I might, I might, I've got a yeah, feeling I know. 
I know which one that is. And yeah, look, we'll probably well, let's get into sort of the shoulder, the arm, um, hand sort of area. And we've got a oh. few guys here to talk about. And the first guy we'll talk about, I reckon it's probably a guy you're big on. Max King, Tom Gilbert, Sean Lane, Jerry Marshall King. Uh, all of them with shoulder injuries except uh, Sean Lane, who had obviously that hammy early on in the season and then had that elbow later on in the season. Mm. All guys that just from looking uh, from outside in present a lot of value value in the 2024 draft. Yeah, huge. I think, um, yeah, like that's funny. I didn't even look down the uh, down the run sheet and he was the next guy. So, Dang. yeah, Max King, huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, huge on him this year. Mm. I think um, as much as you – as much upside as you can get in a front rower, Max King is the guy. Like, you know, mm. front row is not an upside position and I'm not sitting here saying he's going to outperform his draft rank by like five rounds or something like that. But – he got so screwed last year with injury. Like he he performed so well the year before. He came in last year, averaged over 60, playing through a torn plantar fascia at the start of the season. So mm. already he's playing through an injury because the dogs were cooked in the injury front, particularly in their particularly forwards. forwards. Yeah. And, and so he was just having to play through it. Like, you know, he was just having to get out there because they just didn't have much else really. So... He's playing through that. He's still averaging 60. Then he has a rib injury where he actually suffers a fracture rather than, you know, just like a rib cartilage irritation or something like that. Suffers a fracture, usually a three to four week injury. He comes back after a week, like, you know, misses a week Mm. and comes back. And just averaged, I think over the next six weeks, it was something like 42 he averaged, which just, you know, once again, we we talk about it all the time and it's probably the the Patreon call that I make most accurately every year is whenever I see a middle forward trying to play, you know, return quickly from a rib or a sternum injury, I'm like, the production, the performance, the workload is going to be down. And it's down usually around, averages around 20% um, for three to four weeks on return. And 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 it was even more so with Max King. He's playing through a fracture. Hmm. Um, so you take that into account. And then he just, he just never seemed to get right for the rest of the season. He, I'm just expecting a 60 plus average. And uh, on the pod, we spoke about it the other night. James brought it up. Like, you know, Tavita's gone. Uh, Luke Thompson's gone. Uh, Franklin Pele's mm. gone. Like, there's just all these guys who are, who are not there. The middle minutes have to go to someone there at the doggies. And I think Max King's the guy. So, yeah, I'm relying on a, you know, a 60 plus average from him. He, I am stoked if I draft everywhere else and Max King is my front row forward one, I think unless I can get, uh, we were talking about it actually, I think front row forward's a little bit different this year in that if you can get like a Tino or a Payne Haas, I actually don't mind that because I think they're real difference makers at the position this year. And I don't Mm. mind going like in the second round and getting one of those two because I think they are standouts and I think they can go to another level. But if I don't get one of those two, I'm happy to wait and end up with Max King and a 50 to 55. Blake Laurie. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Blake Laurie Laurie in the 17th round. And then I'm, I'm winning my league. 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've heard it here. Just get Max King in, you're going to win. Yeah. What's the it. earliest you would take Max King? Yeah, that's a really good question. I've probably got a better, ra- like, my head wrapped around the early rounds. Um, I'm still not taking him early, but effectively, the way I would 
phrase it is that wherever the guys are going who are averaging 60 plus as front rowers, that's where I would take him. So when you're looking down that list um, and you're seeing, okay, like, you know, the guys who average 65 have start like, you know, have gone off the board. The thing is with Max King, sorry, I shouldn't say that's where I'd take him. That's where I'd value him. So yeah. that's where mm. I'd value him. And you you don't need to take him there because other people hopefully won't take him there as well. But probably you then look at where those sixty average guys go, and then I I wouldn't be waiting more than kind of one or two rounds after that would be my guide. Um, and you guys might have a better handle on where mm. those guys are going round wise. Uh, but yeah, certainly I think not long after the guys who are averaging sixty to sixty five, and I wouldn't be against you drafting him then if you really wanted him but I think the the key with Max King like as a front rower once again it's not huge upside so I'm still not reaching for him I still think he's a fantastic you know guy to draft but I'm not going crazy for him like you know the ill-fated Adam Dewey uh, first round, you know, first, second round situation last year because I thought mm. the upside was astronomical. So I'm like, yeah, I'm reaching for that guy. Whereas, yeah, with Max King, I'm happy to go like, you know, maybe two or three rounds earlier than where he is in the averages um, at least because, yeah, I think he would be – I think he's got a real chance to finish in the top 10 front rowers for average. Okay, mm. Mofo to Waker or Max King, who are you taking? Oh, still Mofo, but I'm high yep. on Mofo, like yeah, high okay. on Mofo, yeah. Okay, but to Mofo to Waker, Paseca, they're sort of going to start going. Oh, I'm taking mm. I'm taking Max King over Paseca for sure. Yeah, okay, yep. okay, that's interesting. Yep. Oh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'll I, got, be going. I, got, I got Mofo and Paseca pretty similar, and then yep. Maxi King in the round after at about round six. Yep, so. cool. So anywhere, anywhere around there, like mm. I, like I'm, I'm pretty happy with him. I think, and as I said, like I'm, I'm just super happy to plonk him in my FRF one spot hmm. and just be like, yeah, I, like I've got a sixty average guy, potentially, you know, potentially a sixty five average guy is his ceiling. Like I think his ceiling could be sixty five. So, hmm. um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with him. Uh, the other one's Tommy Gilbert with the shoulder. Look, I, like I think. The thing with Tommy Gilbert is he's probably going to be on the draft board about where I'd value him because mm. I think before the injury, he was kind of performing as I expect him to perform again this year. And he suffered the injury in origin. So he didn't necessarily have like a, you know, a five minute game where he scored mm. two points yeah. and that brought his average down. So and I he think lost Tommy, front row forward as well. Yeah, so like I think Tommy Gilbert is Tommy Gilbert. I think where you where he is 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 where you should draft him. I'm not worried about the redislocation rate for him. You know, shoulder recos are really low, sort of down around that two three percent. So that should be fine. Uh, Sean Lane, he's another one. I'm running through all of them, but I like I feel like it's cheating saying Sean Lane is a buy of the year, but I, like the reason I say he's one of my buys of the year is purely from that injury perspective. Cause I think a lot of people will look at it and go, yeah, like he averaged 72 years ago. He's running off Dylan Brown's hip, like all that kind of stuff. It's, he's so obviously a good buy that is without question. But I think what I'm trying to focus my buys on is from an injury perspective, are they a good buy? And I just think he is, he is rock solid from an injury perspective because those injuries aren't super like that. They don't 
concern me moving forward. The hamstring is the one that you could argue maybe raises one or two percent of concern, you know, because of the re-injury mm-hmm. risk there. But it's going to be ages. He'll be over twelve months almost since he suffered that hamstring injury. Once round one rolls around, and you just don't see. I've I've not seen a player suffer three major injuries, so five plus week injuries in a season until Sean Lane and Corey Oates did it last year. Mm, they they both yeah, had three just ridiculous injuries that were unrelated that were all significant. And it was all it just destroyed their season. So mm. yeah, big on Sean Lane, not overly fussed about his performance or his re injury risk. Uh, and then Jeremy Marshall King, yeah, huge uh, again on him. I think mm. he played through that shoulder for so much of last year. Was still knocking out eighty played minute big games, minutes. Yeah. and that's yeah, we're still knocking out eighty minute games. But my mm. my thing is like it, once again performance and effectiveness, right? Like he's knocking out eighty minute games, but how effective is he in those games if he's playing through this shoulder issue? Yeah. Um, you know, he could go to another level. I think the question with JMK is more: Do you think he's going to lay on as and he tries because he had quite a few attacking stats last year. But from an injury perspective, he is, if he's not one of my top three buys, he's in the top five or six. Like I think he, mm. he like I, he, I've got him ranked as a clear hooker two to, yep. uh, to yep. Harry Grant. Like I, yeah, I sure. I'm just not, I don't, I don't see Cook being that guy, you know, that hooker two for much longer. And I think this is the year. The only guy I think could challenge him would be Coruscant. If Coruscant gets like the goal kicking and stuff like that, I don't think that's likely, but there's Mm. been a bit of chatter here and there. But yeah, otherwise, I'm very happy with JMK. I'm happy to take him like probably, I don't know where you boys have have him ranked, but probably like round three. Um, You know, like, yeah, like, like, you know, in that round three range, I think that's wonderful. um, because, yeah, Hooker, beyond that, might be a bit of a minefield. Drops Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. It, it dips off a little bit from Harry Grant to JMK, then it just goes off the side of a cliff. Yeah. Mm. And then it gets really, really gross. Absolute pus, to be honest. <laughs> but um, Lane, we've sort of got him. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Walk, uh, but like round four, early round four. Early round sort four. Of, sort, of, sort of around that Eli Katawa, um, those sort of guys, Cam Murray, um, because yeah, we're big on we're big on Lane, we're big on Dill Dill Brown as yep. well, um, and those two link up nicely. And bef- and at the start of last season, we were big on Lane as well because you looked at his stats from twenty twenty two, and he only had I think two tries, a lot yeah. of sort of heaps of assists and, and offloads. Yeah. But with those lack of tries, there's there's so much room for growth there mm. if he does you know catch a couple of balls close to the line off Dillbag's hip. And start scoring some tries, which we know he can. I mean, he's got one of those best. He's got one of those best hit and spins, though, and just like gets that big old arm out. And if you're five meters out, he is five meters long. Like all he needs to do is just fall (laughs) over and put the ball down, and it's it's try time, baby. So yeah, we're big on him, and uh, if you can get him, so round four is a perfect two RF round if Mm. you have gone upside up until that point. Someone like a Sean Lane could sort of start rounding out your side because you're going to get that consistency each week, week in, week out. But you're going to have a little bit of upside as well, which we like. Love it, boys. Love it. Righto, let's keep moving on here. We've got, so ribs, backpack, Campbell Graham, sternum. Oh, Jacob Kiraz back. Oh, David Fafita, peck. I mean, do you need to take a second before we start talking about these guys, Brian, or what?
Okay, Rubbers, I'm just going to have to jump in here. So we recorded this bad boy on Wednesday night, and then Thursday we find out that there have been multiple reports of Campbell Graham that he requires surgery on that sternum um, with the ongoing issues there. General recovery time, four to six months. So he's going to miss a huge portion of the season. So I've cut this little bit out of the podcast because, look, Brian and myself, we really start sucking Campbell Graham's dick. We're big on him. We're high on him. But obviously now with this new news, uh, he slips pretty far back in the rankings. We're talking 100 plus in in your draft. Uh, so if I want to quote Brian, the NRL physio from the chat I had with him today, he said, wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Pretty much the polar opposite of what I said last night. So, yeah, anytime we mention Campbell Graham for the rest of this podcast, just ignore that because on Wednesday night, we're all high on him. We're talking round three, round four, big on him coming back from this injury. But now with this news about him having surgery and being out for most of the season, obviously, we've gone cold on him. So I just wanted to let you guys know that. Now I'll let you get back to the potty with Brian. All right, love you. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. Uh, Jacob Kiraz, he's locked in line. Oh, he is. Yes. Like, I'm actually, I'm going to start big this off. On him. Because big we're on all him. big on him. Yeah. Did I understand your real right today? That you're like, who he's going to jump into the top 20 CTWs? He was like, he, he averaged like the 21st. Highest nah, score top in 20, the... Top 20 averaging players. Yeah. Oh, right. 20 yeah. averaging Not just players. CTWs, baby. I was like, like oh, I was stressing overall. out. Overall. I was yeah. like, mate, come on. Yeah. Like can you ask me, who's going to be the next Marzu? Who's going to be the next guy that Good. jumps Good. into the top yeah. 20 Good. that you can draft mm. outside the sort of top 40? Karaz is my boy. And if he didn't get injured, last season he was building to that. Huge. Yeah. He um He's another one along the Max King line where... You just saw, like, he came back from that MCL injury and he was just busted. He was no good. He was running on half a leg. He came back, I think, in three weeks um, when it probably should have taken him, like, five or six. But once again, they, you know, the dogs were in trouble. They needed him. So he had that. Then he had an elbow hyperextension, which screwed him over as well, Mm. came back pretty quick from that. But the thing that, like, and... A really good way that Simo, I won't talk Simo up too much, but he put he put it really well when we were talking about Fafida is that, you, and it's probably something I've never really considered is it's like, if you look at periods of time where I analyze it and I go, yeah, they were playing through a pretty cooked injury there and they still scored X amount. Like to say that that's their floor is pretty crazy. And for Jacob Kiraz, it's the last six weeks of the year because he gets over mm. the elbow hyperextension. He's far enough past the MCL injury that he starts looking pretty good again. But he was leading into finding out that he had a lower back stress fracture at mm. the end of the year. Yeah. So he's obvious. And that isn't something like a lower back stress fracture isn't something where you like get hit in the back and it's like, oh, you've got a stress fracture. Stress fracture comes on over time. So he's like, you know, getting pain in that area. And he's still average over 60. <laughs> like, you know, so if that's mm. if that's the worst you're going to get out of Kiraz beyond coming back in a ridiculous amount of time from an MCL injury, like you assume that's not going to happen every year. Like that's an outlier, a guy coming mm. back from an MCL injury and looking well below 100%. That, that, that isn't going to happen every year. So you go to, yeah, I, I go to that and I go, if, he's, if his floor is 60, and I think his ceiling is 75, 80, 
he's just a locked in. I've got him ranked as my third CTW, like number three. Whoa. So, yeah, I'm super high on him. Uh, I, I, I just think he – you don't have to draft him there because you obviously – He'll be on the draft on the draft mm. board. Like I think he averaged twenty twenty first was the CTW that he averaged last year. Yep. But I yeah, I still love him. I, I generally like to take one gun center wing in round four. That's usually how I structure my drafts. I usually yep. try and get yeah. like two spine guys and then best player available in my first three rounds is how usually how I like to do it. And then round four, I'm going for a gun CTW who's got a really ceiling. high ceiling. Yep. Um, that's probably the one difference for Kiraz, as much as I like him from an injury perspective and I think he's going to kill it. His, his ceiling probably isn't as high as someone like a Campbell Graham or something like that, just mm-hmm. purely because it's the doggies and you just don't know. They've got a, few, um, a bit of cattle coming in though. And that's, I mean, you, no, you hope that they improve. No forwards, but. Yeah, um, I was just about to say, that's your concern, right? The platform, yeah, yeah, like yeah. can they lay a platform? Um, but yeah, I, I love him. Absolutely love him. And I know you boys are the same. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you're talking about getting a gun CTW in the fourth round. You could get a Campbell Graham and still get a Karaz in round five. 100%. And oh, like, mate, if you do, if, if, like you if, do someone's, if someone, if someone like that is there in round four and then you can double back and get Kiraz in round five, like, that is That's just dream. pure yeah. sex. That's the dream. I mean, he, he only scored six tries in 2023, and that right edge for the dogs was putrid, right? Yep. And like Wook said, you've got uh, Toby Sexton coming in. He'll probably be the right half there. He'll have a full preseason with a seven on his back. He's going to have more control over the tack, probably command a little bit more ball. You're going to have either Critter or uh, maybe Connor Tracy or someone else that's going to be decent in that right center role as well. So it's just going to be more attacking upside. Now, how much attacking upside for the dogs? Probably not a lot, but you would think it'd be more than last year. Yeah, like I've got him pegged. I think Mars Hugh averaged 76 last year and was the top um, averaging. Like I think Kiraz realistically is, but like I've got him in that 70, 75 range at this Ooh. point. Um, so that's why I've got him. That's oh, why I've got him. Yes. In the, that's why I've got him where I've got him, right? Because that's what I I could see him. I could see him doing. That's good gear. That I mean, is the good so, gear. There's so, the so many CTWs that I'm really high on this season. So it's a, it's a tough one. It is, yeah. And and I yeah. think the ideal situation for people out there listening who are drafters, a bit like what you guys are saying, like a lot of the draft comps that I'm in, like are guys who are just reaching for these kind of guys really early. So I, and I'm sure you guys are the same. So you kind of have to be really on top of, okay, maybe I do have to reach for them. Mm. For a lot of people who are listening, you know, you could absolutely draft someone average appropriate so someone like Campbell Graham who's sitting number one on the draft board there in round four and then just come back around and get Kiraz in round five or six which would just be yeah I'd like that'd yeah. just be insane and what we've found in the mocks that we've done over the last couple of days and what people are talking about on the Patreon and the Discord is that there there is a bit of a run on CTWs early it seems to be a bit yeah. of a theme so far in 2024 that people are keen on getting upside. these gun CTWs with upside and there's a lot of value in the 2RF spot later on in the draft, rounds five, six, seven. So, and like this is what Wook and I always say, you know, you've got to be like water, flow. If there is a run, don't get caught up in the run of CTWs if they miss the boat. 
check where the value is. Where's the value? Are you getting a guy like Lane in round five or round six or a Katoa in round five or round six because those guys have slipped because there's been a big run on CTWs. So, yeah, don't fall into that trap. Even though it is sexy to chase that upside, you've got to you got to go where the value is. I'm still taking Kiraz all, over all those second row forwards, by the way, boys. Maybe, but he mm. might be gone. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I just want know... to make it clear. I just <laughs> want to make it clear. Absolutely. It sounds. Yeah. It sounds like Kiraz might be your pick one. Potentially, potentially, <laughs> boys. We'll see how we go. I love it. And last one here, David Fafida, obviously suffering mm. the pec injury. Yep. Um, what's your thoughts here? Are you still happy to draft Fafida in the first twelve picks? Yes. Uh, I put out a reel today, and I think my approach to Fafita, because I am a classic guy, as you guys know, my big, approach. Big classic guy. Yeah. My <laughs> approach to Fafita is almost polar opposites um, when doing draft to classic, because I just think that, uh, like, if you're drafting Fafita, I think it's going to be a bit of a slow start. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, he's not. Like he, he's we we talk about it all the time that return to play versus return to performance and for a forward, mm. return to play for a pec rupture or tear or surgery whatever you want to call it, um is around that ten to fourteen week range. But then their return to performance pretty consistently is around that eighteen to twenty week range. Um, some guys can be quicker, and if there's going to be a guy who's quicker, it's going to be Fafita because he's a you know insane athletic human being but uh, like yeah i think from a draft perspective i or i never draft with the first two weeks in mind you know what i mean like i'm no. not drafting going oh how's he going to perform for me rounds one to three uh and especially because the the, the titans have got the buy in round two so you know mm. it's it's one yeah. of those things where i would actually prefer to draft him knowing that he's going to miss round one have two extra weeks of like rehab performance building and then kill it for you from round three onwards. You know what I mean? Um, and traditionally yeah, if- those first two rounds are very defensive minded because yeah. all, all the, all the coaches have got the teams like really defensively. Minded. They'll have like, to, no, and they'll, like they'll have to get point. used to Desi's, Desi's you know, systems and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm still very, very happy to draft him, but I just think expect a bit of a slow start from him purely because of where he's at in that peck. Um, that pec injury thing. But I think the yeah. thing to say about um, Fafita and why I'm happy to draft him around that pick, oh, probably 11 or 12, because I did my top 10 this afternoon and it's just a whole bunch of like backs and Harry Grant. So Karaz was number three. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah effectively. <laughs> um, but I, like I still, I want to take him pick 11 or 12 because the, the stats were, so he had a, We've all heard about the pec injury, but he had a knee operation really early on in the preseason because he's playing through a knee injury, and it was about mm. the last six or seven weeks. And the difference between his averages before he had the knee injury, he averaged 90 in his healthy games, uh, and then he averaged 72 after he suffered that knee injury and played through it. So you're talking which, about... Which is a fantastic season for a lot of the other two RFs. And, and is, so that was this is the player where Simo said, if, if 72 is your... Is your mm. Dave Fafita floor of playing through an injury? Yeah. Like, like, give it, give him to me at pick eleven or twelve. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I want him at pick eleven or twelve is where I want Fafita at the moment. Yeah, he's a good turn pick, mm. isn't he? Like, 
around that if you can partner him up with maybe a, someone with a bit of upside or you know you feel a position lacking in depth that also covers a little bit of upside as well that's perfect you've got you've got that stability in because that's the thing with Fafita nowadays his CV has dropped to about 30% so he's consistent as all fuck yeah. yeah so good but yeah I'm just looking at his scores when when he went 114 100 111 116 then had a bit of a break because of origin, then came back and went 121, 107. I'm just going to go get a cold spoon. There was a bloke in our league that just captained him in every single one of those games. And uh, he, he just, bang, he was just pumping blokes. So, yeah, I'm big on I'm big on Fafita. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be against the guy who I've got in 10th is a guy we'll talk about later. I'm not against taking Fafita over this guy who we'll talk about yeah, okay. later who has injury concerns. So, yeah, okay. I think 10, 11, 12 is where I'd want him. I think there's a you pretty ta- clear... You're taking above Dewey. Oh, mate, only just. Only, only just. just. <laughs> but I think there's a pretty clear top nine for me, and then, like, mm. 10 onwards is... You yep. can... Yeah, nice. All right, what about Payne Haas? Obviously, he had a bit of a hamstring... Something tightness, I guess, throughout the preseason. Is that a concern? No, or are we just like whatever? Season as well. Had a few no, injuries. I, um, I'm not stressed about Haas at all. I think I actually like Haas because uh, people, I, I think, forget that he, or either forget or aren't aware that he played through an ankle tendon issue for much of last season. Mm-hmm. He rolled his ankle okay. early in the season and then it popped up multiple times throughout the season. It was revealed in and around the third origin game, I think, that he was playing through an ankle tendon issue. So once again, you know, that that's going to limit his ability to be out there for big minutes workload. It's going to, you know, limit his agility, his ability mm. to bust tackles, to push through, you know, post-contact meters, all that kind of stuff. Tom Fleck was gone. Uh, yeah, like I'm, once again, Payne Haas is in that 10 to 12 grouping for me. Like I, they're, it's pretty much like if a feeder Tino Payne Haas, like I, I love getting them. And it feels weird to say that about a front rower, but I think Payne Haas and Tino just have that upside for me, which doesn't exist in the front row position. And I think it's a real difference maker. And the reality is, because a lot of people think the way that we think we're chasing upside early that these guys, Tino, Payne Haas, could slip to the later parts of the second round, which means if you were picks one to four, right, and you've picked up a Cleary, a Hines, a KP, a Turbo or a Walsh, and then Haas or Tino slips to you, okay. Okay. Now we're talking. Mm. 100%. So, yeah, if I'm, that's like, a real possibility. Yeah, if I'm at the at the top end of the draft, like I'm I'm definitely looking for those guys, but more if I'm picking in that pick 10 to 12 range and I've got to make a decision, I don't mind grabbing one of them as like knowing that you're just going to get a bona fide because you're probably going to get him and like a Munster or something like that, you know, like someone mm. then you're going to have your you know, your star sort of outside back or, or half and then you're going to have Payne Haas who's who's probably going to average somewhere in that 70 to 80 range this year. And especially in non-captains leagues like guys mm. like Harry Grant, Payne Haas, Tino, oh, they yeah. they are valued huge, a lot huge. higher in non-captains leagues than yeah, they are I in play, captains leagues. I play mostly non-captains leagues so that's mm. why I've probably got him. It's all right. 
We still love you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, let's get into yeah, some ACLs because there's a fucking few of them. Mm. Jaden Braley, Bo Firma, Talon May, your boy Adam Dewey. Yeah, just run through these guys and, and give us your um, – because I, I know Walk doesn't want any part of any ACL ever again. Yeah, I got, I got till the with, end of time. I got done with two of them last season, so it's um, not even – It wasn't many last year either, so that's that's pretty bad going. Yeah, he was cursed. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, a curse. Um, Jaden Braley, no thanks. Um, I just think – Copy. Yeah, it's his second second ACL on that knee. Phoenix Crossland is good. Um mm. Yeah, I, I I just yeah I just can't see a situation where like I'd rather have like the one of the para eighty minute hookers mm. you know as like a a guy who I think is it, obviously Brad Arthur's come out and said he likes eighty minute hookers so yep. yeah mm. I would I would just much prefer a guy like that as opposed to Jaden Braley I just think there is a world where by like mid to late season he could be returning on investment for you, but I'd rather have upside. Like you, you're picking yeah. him in those later times and I'd just rather have upside at that point in time. And I don't think Braley has a lot of it. I just think he'll, he'll start off. It, there's every potentially starts coming off the bench. And I know earlier in this episode, I said, I don't draft with the first few weeks in mind, but I just, I just kind of think, you know, with, with someone like, for feeder as opposed to Jaden Braley, who are the two players that I was talking about, you know, in terms of drafting for later in the season. Mm. Like, what's Braley in his first season back from his second ACL on that leg? Like, I still think his ceiling's maybe 55 ish, especially if Crossland is still stealing minutes. So, yeah, I just, that doesn't do anything for me. So, I, I he's getting drafted way. Uh, way earlier than I probably ever would, or or he might even if he's not getting drafted, I'm probably not picking him in round sixteen, seventeen because I'd rather pick like an outside back or someone with some upside. What I assume you boys are the same on that I'd front. Already, I'd already tossed him. He had an ACL yeah. done. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely. even when he's healthy, he's still trying to push for a sixty average. So, yeah. like he was, I mean. he was great value last season. Obviously, before the injury, because like we saw that it was the second year back from um, back from the well, yeah second full season back from yeah. the ACL, and we saw that his output was good. It was around that pushing towards sixty to sixty five, and yeah, just unlucky. Not good. Not yeah. good. Um, Bo Firma, I am relatively high on him. I think people are probably probably I'd say people are higher than me from what I can sense out there, particularly in the, like, you know, you see all these people picking him in their classic sides. I think he's like, you know, where he's priced in terms of average and where he'll be on draft boards, I would still value him higher than that. But my main concern with him probably isn't so much performance. And we'll talk about Taylor and May as well. The reason I like both of these guys probably more than I usually would for someone coming back in their first season back from an ACL it's 12 months down the track. They suffered. Mm. They both suffered the ACL injuries in February last year. So it means they're cleared for pretty much full training by the start of preseason. They've had the whole preseason to build their performance. So no. I'm not as concerned. My big concern with Bo Firma, and this was something that I, you know, uh, hid in the injury profile. So once again, if you want more nuggets like this, head on over the injury profiles. But that's Bo Firma's second ACL. Um, mm. and the risk 
of NRL players going from ACL 2 to ACL 3 is around 30%. Now, that doesn't always happen in the first season back, but it is it most commonly happens in the first 18 months after a return to play. And I mean, Wook, you uh, have just spoken about two players who that happened to mm. last, you know, last season. They didn't go from, two, well, Dewey went from two to three, but Bradley went from one to two. These multi-ACL um, and, and, you know, I'm nothing if not, not adaptable. I was high on both Braley and Dewey last year, but I've learned, you know, I've learned my, le- like, I'm not perfect. I, I learned my lesson and I go, right. I still think Bo Firma, his performance will be quite, um, quite high when he's out there, but I'm just worried about re-injury risk. So he's someone who, yeah, like I'm higher on than where he's going to be on the automated draft board, but I'm still mm. not going as crazy as some people are purely because of that injury risk. I love him for classic, but yeah, he's a bit of a risk for um, for draft from my perspective because look, he's going to be out on that right edge and we saw that they're, they're so dominant down that left edge and with Fafita running the plays with um, with Foran, I, I just think he's going to catch a cold out there. Uh, it's not going to be luck when he had that cracker of a season and he played Origin. Um, yeah. That's the thing with guys that classic um, content creators are talking a lot about, you know, they're talking about Bo Firma. That drives up the interest in players and draft. And usually the guys like this will get taken too early, right? And oh. it's the same thing when you're talking about guys that present value. All of a sudden, if that cross, uh, crosses over to Classic and they're getting talked about a lot, it fucks the, the draft value out of it as well. So I can see Bo Firma getting taken earlier than he should just because his name keeps coming up a lot. Completely agree. So moving on to Talon May, similar sort of thing in that I'm not overly concerned with his performance. Uh, I think he's had 12 months. He was pretty much cleared by the start of preseason. Like I think, and I don't know, you boys NFL fans? like you, Yeah. The, that's, yeah. So right, yes. my biggest thing with this and a really good comp here and what I saw a lot, I've seen a lot of the NFL guys talking about, and when I say NFL guys, NFL versions of me, so like the yep. injury analysts over there, just talking about how over there the guys that they see, because they have the same rules as us, right? Like second season back from your ACL is usually when you see the guys over there come good. But the ones who can really beat that are the freak athletic guys. So you guys like Saquon Barkley, yeah, Adrian Peterson has done it. Jamal Charles has done it. You know, these guys who are just freaks of nature. Now, I'm not saying, saying Taylor May is a freak of nature necessarily, but he is just a super athletic dude, right? Mm. Like fast tackles, is is really well put together, you know, really fast, uh, can change direction on a dime, all that kind of stuff. So a guy like that has really good prospects for outperforming the usual expectations that we have for a guy coming back from an ACL. He's in a red-hot Panthers back line. I've seen a few people floating around on the Twitter sphere sort of doubting him, you know, that maybe he won't be that good. Like, I, I just, I'm all about him. I, I, I he really was freakishly think- good. Yeah, so I'm, like I'm, I, he's like borderline. Like I would say, once again, I probably haven't done beyond like my top ten, but I'd say like top fifteen, absolutely. Like I see a sixty plus average for him for sure. Uh, so with him possibly moving to the centers, he's obviously put a little bit of muscle mass on mm-hmm. to play that position. Does that have an effect in sort of that re-injury risk if he's carrying a little bit more weight? No, not overly because it'll be like, it depends if he goes like, obviously there's extremes, right? Like if he gets like to a, 
a Bronson Cherry kind of level. Ooh, uh, I don't think then, that's allowed to get that. Yeah, big. that's that's yeah. <laughs> but even Bronson Cherry with how he's at the moment, then maybe that. But other yep. than that, like you know, it's probably a good thing that he's putting on muscle, extra protection, okay. you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm. yeah, I um, there, there definitely still is the same re-injury risk concerns that you have with Bo Firma. It's just not as significant because it's only his first ACL. It's only his yeah, first ACL, okay. so the risk of going from ACL one to ACL two is not as high as two to three. So okay. that's why I'm higher on Taylor May than I am on Bo Firma. And then, um, well, where do you boys have May? That's probably a good question. You can fill me in. Where am I? Am I above expectation or below? Sort of saying fit around fifteenth. Uh so much past fifteenth. Um, yeah, I think we put a lot more stock in the um, the return from ACL. So we've got who, who have you got at fifteenth? Fifteenth. Uh, oh, like we're looking at like Brian Kelly, maybe. Um, yeah, no, Cobo. Yeah, no, I'm 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 Taylor and then Taylor May in around that area because it well mainly because he plays for Penrith. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, like you look at any fair. any center who has played for Penrith. Is there one that's averaged under? 65 in the last mm. few years. Like, I don't think there is. I, like, I, like, and once again, I'm not saying he's a Stephen Crichton, but if you're playing outside the, the quality that they have there, you don't have to be an absolute world beater. Like, look at that guy who's gone to Newcastle, um, that winger who, you know, averaged an absolute Tommy, amount. Yeah, Tom, Tommy Jenkins. Yeah, on the wing for, for Penrith. Yeah, now, yeah. we're not standing here saying Tommy Jenkins is a world beater, but he played on the wing for Penrith, right? Like, mm. that's that's uh, such a, a huge thing. So, I think, yeah, I, I like, I'm higher on – I'm definitely higher on Taylor May than, than, um, than, like, somewhere in the 20s. Like, I just think his upside is huge. Once again, you probably don't have to draft him around Brian Kelly, but that's where I'd have him valued. Oh, that's tasty. Interesting. That's, that's Interesting. what we like to start toggling with those ranks behind the scene there, Wook. I'm yeah, already, the I'm thing, already toggling, don't you worry. The thing with Taylor May is there's a there's a real possibility that he plays in the right outside Nathan Cleary, best player in the comp. It's the dominant attacking edge for the most attacking team in the comp. So, I mean, if that happens, because, I mean, we think Tungo will get that right edge, but I've heard whispers that it may be Taylor May. It may be May. And if that happens, I mean, wow, that could, mm. in the words of the great guru, this kid could be absolutely anything. Yeah, I just think, I just think, if I put it this way, if if Taylor May, if if Stephen Crichton moved a year earlier, right? So he moved last year, and then Taylor May didn't suffer his ACL injury. Where would you have been drafting him? You would have been mm. drafting him up around that. Like, I think Matt you know, May would still be on the left wing, scoring an absolute buttload of tries. <laughs> But you Genuinely. know what I mean? Like let's yeah. let's say let's say in the preseason they said last preseason we've lost Stephen Crichton, Taylor May's gonna start in the centres. Where would you have drafted him? Because I would say you take off a little bit of a discount for the re injury risk, but performance wise I think he's gonna be pretty fine. So that's the way I'm approaching it is you maybe discount him a little bit, but otherwise I'm considering a healthy Taylor May who's playing in the centres for a red hot parasite. I'm just yeah, I'm all over that. You mentioned the re-injury risk. What what sort of percentage do you reckon 
Oh, I know. So it's... it's about well. So once again, it's about twenty percent. So it, it it drops. So you're talking fifty yeah. percent less than the thirty percent. So fit, you know, like that. And and <laughs> yep. and once again, that twenty percent isn't in the first. You know, it's not. Or they don't all happen in the first year. No. That's across the rest of their career. And you know, oh, time right. Is, okay. Yeah, so it's not, it, yeah, so it's, when it's I say thirty percent yeah. or twenty percent and all that kind of stuff, that's globally, like across the rest of their career. That's how oh, many right. have it's happened to. So it's not saying he has a one in five chance this season because it's just so hard to quantify otherwise. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. But you can, yeah, it's it, it's definitely elevated because the risk of anyone suffering an ACL injury is, you know, under 5%. So he's still got an increased risk. But I'm like, I'm just happy. Once again, we talk about me taking risks on guys who have upside. Taylor May's that guy. He's got upside. Mm. Like if we're sitting here at the end of the year and you tell me Taylor May's average sixty five, like I'm not surprised if if he stays fit and healthy all year. Mm. That's good. That's a nice little nugget of gold there. What about Adam Dewey? Mm. Is there a chance that he comes back in the 2024 season at all? No, like you just don't. Um, like you talk once again, we've just spoken about two guys, one from going to one to two, the other from going to two to three, the three to four. It once again goes up to like 35 Uh-oh. to 40% of guys. <laughs> so yeah, it, Dewey's just mm. a, a no-go for me. He had to have a two-stage ACL reconstruction because obviously he's had three ACLs on that knee. So his knee was so like the tunnels, the bone tunnels mm. that they drill were so hollow because they've drilled them so many times. Oh, fuck they had no. to like put a bone graft in, let that bone grow over the tunnel. So then they could drill new tunnels in. Like it's just a whole, oh, oh, fuck yeah, it's hell. a whole thing. So uh, like, yeah. yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, you just leave Dewey for this year, let him come back. Um, and He'll then come back. take a risk on him next year as you buy the year for 2025. Oh, here we go. Early call on, on Adam Dewey. We love that. Uh, okay, this one is one of the biggest ones for me that I want to get your opinion mm. on, Brian, and it's Sam Walker. Is it an ACL sprain? Uh, because I think if he is healthy and I'm not worried about his injury, then I think he could probably average around that 70 mark, maybe even a little bit higher. I'm really big on him, but I want to get your thoughts on on this ACL sprain. Is it is it a worrisome injury? So I'm going to stitch you up again and give you a global and give you a global percentage because that's all that exists, right? It's, yeah. it's not a it's not a. This, this is, is the first time many... I've heard of this injury. Yeah, ACL sprain, yeah. Thought, yeah. So the super super rare. So right. like, yeah, okay. there there are some people out there who think that. ACL injuries, it doesn't matter. And well, it's true. A lot of people out there, and it's it's probably true, is that with an ACL, it's less about how much of it is torn, and it's more like is your knee stable or not? Because I and I've seen it in clinic. I've seen some patients who have like an eighty percent torn ACL on the MRI images, but their knee is stable as, and they can cut, change direction, and so they go off and they keep playing. Whereas others they have like a 10% torn ACL and it's just sloppy. It's all over the shop and it's like, well, you've got to have surgery. So with Walker, I guess the biggest consideration is 30 to 50%. And I have a range because it's, once again, it is quite a rare injury, but 30 to 50% of athletes who suffer an ACL sprain, who play a cutting sport, which is what rugby league is, they do progress to a full ACL rupture at some point in their career. So it's not, 
and once again, that's over their entire career. So I'll give yep. you, and I've got a good example. So Matt Lodge, Matt Lodge had an ACL sprain. I think it was 2019 or 2020. So oh, and right, yeah. it took three years. He played on it, was fine, and then last year he ruptured it. It's like a fucking ticking time bomb. So that's that's the thing is that it is it's quite concerning for Walker for his career that at some point he's probably going to have to like he's he's one in three chance at best to need 12 months or well nine months off at some point because he ruptures his ACL and like it's it's such a crazy story because he went and saw three specialists last year and every single one said have surgery like we're not Mm, having three years the fourth one said don't have surgery and he went with that i'll believe you yes that's right and and look you're telling me what i want to hear and it paid off and and so it's another one of those and we'll talk about uh caelan ponga soon but the same process applies here in that sam walker came back last year and performed really really well that the fact that he performed well doesn't mean that his injury risk is gone, right? It yeah. means that he has a good performance and you can you can be very confident that Sam Walker will perform well this year physically. But I think from a re-injury risk standpoint, that it definitely is elevated. But to your point, Sam Walker has monumental upside. Monumental yeah, upside. Sure. So he is someone who I am happy to roll the dice on with that upside and hope that that 30 to 50% just doesn't happen this year. That that uh, yeah, he's still someone who I'm happy to draft. I might knock him a little bit back from like where you would have him with no injury concern for sure, but yeah, I'm not I'm not avoiding him even with everything that I've just said. Yeah, we've got him pegged around that sort of round four range just oh, before. Yeah, I'm taking him there for sure. Yeah, before yeah. you take Fogarty, before you take Adam Reynolds, um, I, I, think, I, I think I snuffled him into round three. If I'm honest, I can yeah. I can bring. I don't him mind back. that. I don't mind that either. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, think I wasn't, once I wasn't again, aware yeah. of the thirty to fifty percent in his career. He he will do his ACL. Hey, you got to read the injury profiles. Oh, in no, there, they only friend. just came out today. Come on, give me a come minute. On, mate. You should have been. You should have been reading them you're giving, all. You're giving me a fucking thesis to read through <laughs> of gold nuggets. And he reads at a grade five level, <laughs> Brian. Like it's going to take him ages to do it. He needs to sound out the words. It oh, takes has ages. Has come out with an audio book out of interest? <laughs> just me. Yeah. Just me, my soothing tones. Now that's just really, an idea. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, an idea. That. that's for the NRL physio only fans, yeah. I think. That's that's tier three subscribers, <laughs> that one. <laughs> Oh, but, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm very happy in round four. I think if you can't, like, I'm obviously hoping to draft a halfback in the first three rounds usually. Mm, but if yeah. I don't, then he's a smash draft for me in round four for sure. I like that. That's what I want to hear. Uh, now we're going to talk about Ezra Mann. This is Wook's boy. Yeah. Obviously, uh, when we were listening to the podcast you did with uh, Simo talking about Ezra Mann with this knee injury for most of the year, obviously hampered his performance. What's your thoughts? Because I'm down on Ezra Mann. I was an owner last year. Uh, how much is this knee injury that's, you know, is obviously going to be sweet from now, is that going to improve his um, output for 2024? Yeah, I just think they're like a few things are aligning with Mam. Like he's a guy on the up. Like, you know, he's just signed a big mm. money deal. The Bronx are improving another year in the system, another year. Like it's hard as a young half to be a gun 
you know, straight off the bat, especially as a five eight. So yeah, look, I, I I think he he looked he looked affected by the knee multiple times last year. Like he had it heavily strapped. He and mm. but he still performed re- you know really really well. So he's someone who like I'm not he he's not that guy who's like base statting thirty five as a half. So like you've still got that floor there but i just think he's going to outdo his average this year like i would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't average five to ten points more this year than he did last season that's what i want to hear that's what that's that's, what i was banking on that's what we've got him pegged at sort of around that 58 average (sighs) for 2024 yeah just for me because i mean it's it's recency bias because i had him and he really pissed me off but he was like (laughs) averaging he still still hates benny hunt for ruin yeah yeah. Yeah, he's dead to me benny who (laughs) no thanks um he averaged like 57 when he scored a try ezra ma'am um and that that really shit me throughout the year but Mm. i mean yeah. If he can, if that knee means he can bring that floor up a little bit, uh, and I mean the thing with Ezra Mam right is all the tries he scores is from backups, so he doesn't get a line break or any tackle breaks with the try that goes along with those uh, support play, which is sort of like how Cody Walker has been scoring his tries the last couple of seasons. Which it's not great for Super Coach, is it? But I think that's it's like it's literally the perfect comp is someone like Cody Walker. Like I think I think Ezra Mam can be. Cody Walker at some point in his career, whether that's yeah. going to be this year or not, I'm not sure. But for people who are like steering away from him because it's like, oh, he's got a low, you know, he, he's got a low floor and all that kind of stuff. Like that's what Cody Walker has been for so much of his career, mm. but he's still found a way. And I think Ezra Mam can find a way when he's fit and healthy and doing well. And that well, he's talented as fuck. I mean, right. there's yeah, no denying the that. Base. Yep. They both got that 28 base. Yep. It's just about building up those triases. Um, 100%. Yeah, for sure. And I think with um, with Cobo moving on on that edge as well, it's going to help yeah. a bit. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a that that could be just give him another weapon, and then all of a sudden, 100%. if he adds like two, three, maybe four assists into the year, that easily bumps up that average by five points. You know, Cobo, Cobo was the reason why we went right. When I say we, the Broncos went right so often. You you and the you and the front office there, the Broncos. <laughs> I'm taking over um, Benny Eichen's positions, but, you know, <laughs> just telling them how to run. GM walk. Yeah, oh, exactly, how good. Exactly. What about Tohu Harris, Brian? I Ooh, mean, yeah. I don't even, I can't even sort of like dial in which injury you want to talk about here because he had, he was a mummy. He had everything strapped. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it, as a, as an owner, you, you're worried seeing him trot, trot out with that much tape around him. And he looked, honestly, he looked out on his feet. After about 50 minutes, he was fucked. So what's the go with Harris? It's a really tough one because I think if Tohu was like 25, 26 mm. years old, I would just be like, he's the buy of the year. Like, you know, he <laughs> he played so busted mm. for so much of last year. He, yeah, the MC, the, the repeat MCL sprains, which was just bad luck. And he was playing, he once again, returning earlier than he should all that kind of stuff. I just worry, have we seen the best of Tohu Harris with where he's at in his career? Like I, that, that's, that's my concern mm-hmm. is that the injury accumulation and it's like, okay, do you look at how the year went for Tohu last year and look at a guy, you know, you've got Kurt Capewell coming on board, which frees up like a Maradini Correa or a Jackson Ford to potentially play some more middle minutes 
you've still got AFB this year. So this is your last year with AFB. So do you just try and manage Tohu's minutes that little bit more because of what, like, you know, he just, it just didn't do him any, any favours last year. Like, I mm. think the Warriors can be better if they manage Tohu a little bit better um, this year. So, yeah, I think from a physical standpoint, like, all signs point to if he can stay fit and healthy and the injuries that he suffered last year were all, like, contacting injuries, which, you know, don't worry me all that much moving forward. But, yeah, I just worry that we've seen the best of Tohu. So I'm probably I'm probably not drafting him very often this year because I think someone else will take him higher on the name value. And he, he's also he was so popular in classic and in in draft formats last season because of the duel. He's lost yep. the front row forward and that was yeah. the key selling point for him for mine. And it's also similar to how you how we're viewing AFB for this season as, as well. It's like scored all those tries, but, you know, Tohu Harris was the one feeding him, probably had an uncharacteristic year for try assists, Tohu Harris. Oh, it was so bad last year because, like, week after week on Patreon, I was telling everyone, like, avoid Tohu. He's playing through these MCL injuries, and his base would be shit. And I'd be sitting there going, yes, I've nailed this call. The patrons will love me. And in the fucking 76th minute, he would pop (laughs) AFB over, and I'm like, you are kidding me. Like, I've nailed this from a workload perspective and then just some bullshit crash over and you just go, how well, just, did that Just happen? out of interest, he was about – he was in the top 10 for try involvements yeah. for two RFs for last season. So that – Yeah, and try involvements just, per game, I mean. That's just something that is going to be really hard to replicate. Same mm. with AFB and those tries. It's going to be hard to replicate. And you would think that teams are going to do a lot of video on how the Warriors were structuring that attack and sliding the defense and then hitting them on the inside to gaps. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd be stupid if they weren't going to shore that sort of sort of play up, which mm. will force the Warriors to attack in a different way and it might not be through the middle. So, yeah, it's that plus, you know, he just looks busted. Busted as fuck. I'm not touching him. Yeah, no. I agree, boys. All right, let's get into the lower leg stuff here. So we've got Kai Pierce Paul with a toe injury. He had to have surgery. And also SJ SJ had an ankle injury earlier this year. The old dreaded moon boot was out. It's moon boot season. Uh, And obviously we're we're worried about SJ whenever we're talking about any injury at the moment with his age and his history. Let's talk about these two blokes, bro. Yeah, so SJ straight off the bat, the ankle doesn't concern me. Look, I like I I could be accused of being SJ biased because he's like my favorite player in the comp, and oh, yeah. I get that. But uh, like an ankle sprain does nothing for me. I'm like that's fine, even with his history. SJ, there is there absolutely is ongoing concern for lower limb muscle strains, so hamstring, calf, quad, that kind of thing, because he's got a history there of multiple strains across many years. Mm. He also has a history of lower back issues, which they think were contributing to his likelihood for strains. So it's been a while since he suffered a significant one, so that does help him out, but he is getting older. So that probably kind of cancels it out. So he is an increased risk of injury, but like I'm still, I think the Warriors are going to go well this year again. I think the addition of RTS is huge for them. Uh, another year together, so I, like I'm still drafting SJ relatively high. Like I'm okay with getting SJ like late round two, early round three, mm. if um you know if he's there in that range. Uh, because like yeah, there is that injury risk, but once again, his upside is huge. 
Yeah. So as the president of the SJ Dick Riding Club, offer seventy eight average. What do you think he's going to possibly average for the twenty twenty four season? I think I think he can average seventy five to eighty five. That's kind of my range yep. for him. Like I think once again, I'm not worried about his performance. I'm worried about yep. his injury risk. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. so performance wise, I think he can get better, like potentially than last year, because well, the addition right, of RTS is going to be humming. That's what I mean. Like he's got RTS yeah. outside him. Like he, he he scored. He averaged seventy eight, and he had nothing against Rocco Berry. I think it was Rocco Berry at right center or mm. whoever it was. Yeah, like yeah. You replace, you know, you replace if if RTS is the right center, which I believe he will be. Um, yeah, huge, huge. So yeah, I I think it's somewhere in that seventy five to eighty five range. I I I'm very confident in his performance. It's just that little bit of an injury risk because if I like you know if I said he's going to average 80 to 85 you'd probably draft him up around like early round two but it probably the injury risk just knocks him back that little bit yeah round two is shaping up so like picks 10 through to maybe 22 is really shaping up to be the halfback round yeah you know you're going to have SJ Hughes DCE possibly Moses there's going to be a lot of elite halfbacks that are going to drop in those picks I think yeah, 100%. And that's yeah. where I probably, if I don't have one of the top two picks, that's where I want a halfback, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, 100%. Now, Kai Pierce-Paul, uh, interesting with him. I did see uh, some news or a shot or something. You know how everyone's taking photos of training um, videos and where guys are lining up, and he was playing out in the left. Now, do you take stock in that? Who knows? You know, Tyson Frisell might have just been having a drink. Well, and no, they've gone. Hastings, Hastings actually posted a, a photo on his Instagram and said um, the bodyguard standing next to him. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. So how much do you read into it though? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But what's your thoughts on Pierce Paul coming back yeah, in his no, toe? This will be a quick one. No, like no real concerns. I think I think um, he's probably going to have a gradual start because he's had a restricted preseason. But overall, mm. I think I think he's got upside. I think. Once again, we're talking about draft. Classic, I'm not on him because I think, who knows, he might start a little bit slow. But this is a guy, this is a guy who, who did we talk about earlier? Oh, Jaden Braley. Like, you know, if you're mm. in your in your later rounds and Jaden Braley's there or Kai Pierce, like I'm drafting yeah. Kai Pierce Paul yeah, every no day of the week because the upside is huge. So I think, like, I'm not reaching into like the top 10 rounds or something for him probably. But it, it likes yeah, smash as a later round pick with huge upside. Yeah, I like that. All right, everyone's been waiting for it. Let's get into some of these big dogs. We're talking KP, Latrell, Turbo, Pappy. Mm, talking about the lemons that are the juiciest. All worth the squeeze, baby. Talk to me. Uh, KP, concussions. I think this is... Yeah, I'm going to say a lot of stuff that sounds like I'm shitting on KP, and then I'm going to say I pick him at three, but yeah, just bear yeah. with me. Yeah, um, I gotcha. Purely because I just think people who draft him at three, you need to understand that the concussion risk is not gone. It's mm. still it's if it's not it's not exactly the same, but it's pretty bloody close to as as concerning last year. Like I think. It's the, you talked about recency bias before. I think it's the best case of recency bias mm. I've ever seen mm. because he yeah. had this wonderful Dally M run, which once again, performance-wise, 
epic, right? Some of the best performance we've ever seen. Good performance does not decrease injury risk. <laughs> like no. that is, you know, that, and especially when it comes to concussion, time helps with concussion. And so he's had, he will have had nearly 12 months since his most recent concussion. But yeah, he's still at at least a three to four times greater risk than baseline. So a player who runs out, who's never had a concussion before, um, about 80 players suffer a concussion every year in the NRL. Uh, and That's I a think high that, proportion. Yeah. Well, there's like, yeah, there's like a wow. hundred, there's a hundred, a hundred, around about a hundred concussions a year. So you're looking at, you know, about 20 repeat concussions. So mm. somewhere around that 80 number is, a, like, yeah, yeah. is pretty consistent. Um, you know, and, and yeah, like you, we'll talk about Teddy in a second, but he's a perfect example. Like, you know, he suffered two concussions last year. Uh, and and the concern with KP is if he has a concussion, it's multi weeks. Like there's there's just mm. no situation I can see where they're bringing him back after I'm missing su- one week. I'm surprised that KP has any concussions. He wears headgear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't don't wind him up. Too late. Don't wind him up. It's too late at night. It's too late at night. <laughs> I not, I not, it's got to be a Sunday night, and I'm five beers deep and in real trouble. But yeah, yeah I just think. I just think you need to consider that. I, like I, I, I've just seen a lot of a lot of coverage about yeah, KP's fantastic, and it's probably more relevant for guys who aren't KP because like I'm still drafting KP at three because he could average 120. Like I, yeah. there's yeah. no way I'm I'm not drafting him at three, and it's it's I'm drafting him with the understanding because once again, and I say this about Turbo all the time. If KP had no injury history, so like a Nico Hines-style injury history, I'm mm. drafting KP first yeah. every day oh, of the without week. A, without a doubt. Yep. Every and, day of the week. So that and is conversely, the, if he hadn't have had that Dallium run at the back end of the season, you're drafting him way back. 100%. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Because the concussion concerns are still there and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that the injury discount is he drops from one to three. Because I, yep. like as much as I love Cleary and Hines, I don't know whether they can average 120 like KP can, you know, mm. like it's, mm. um, yeah, like it's, uh, yeah. Or, yeah, I, I just see it harder for them to get to that 120, whereas KP is just, yeah, in, when he's in that form, it's crazy. So, yeah, I'd still pick him at three, but just know that the concussion concerns are there. They're, they they yeah. really are there. And um, it's like he's, he's shown us how sweet the juice is, and this is why we – rate turbo so high every year is because we know how fucking sweet that juice is. We get it. We get that he's twenty twenty. He hasn't baby. played more than 15 games over the last five years. We get it, but we're chasing that juice. We want, because if he stays injury free, you win a comp. hundred percent. So and 100%. that's the same, same with KP. Yeah. And it's like, especially in around that area, like obviously KP is a little bit higher because of his ceiling. But last year we were getting turbo like around pick seven ish, mm. you know, and it's just obviously it didn't go well for anybody who picked turbo at seven. But in around that seven, yeah, like you, you know, you could you could draft a you know someone at seven who 
stays healthy all year, but averages like I think what did Cam Munster average last year? Like maybe early seventies, I think. Yeah, seventies. Like that. Cam Munster. That's what I mean. Like I'm like, yeah, like I, I would, I would rather, I would rather draft Turbo on the hope that he averages hundred plus, and draft Cam Munster, who's going to average somewhere between seventy to seventy five. hundred percent. That's just kind of what he does. So Ride the lightning. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. The trouble with the calf, this is a hard one because, like, I think with, once again, we talk about those outside components, uh, Jack White and going over, it's all a mental game for Luttrell mm. a lot of the time, right? And he's got mm. his best bud going over there. I think that'll be huge for him. I'm really high on him this year, and I think he's being undervalued from where he where he should be. But in terms of physically... There's just a few little warning signs for me. Like we, we Ooh, and I'm glad we didn't talk about him because I would have it, it would have been forty five minutes of the podcast. But Josh Schuster is obviously like the Yeah. The the end of this bell curve where it's mm. like conditioning concerns, like guys who where they they have an injury and the rehab is expected to be two to three weeks and all of a sudden it's six weeks. And, it's the first preseason I've heard chickenpox thrown out as a yeah, as an issue. Yeah, like, but like Latrell legitimately has those concerns popping up. Like he, his hamstring, you know, he needed to go over, you know, go overseas because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't going fantastically. Mm-hmm. His calf last year took an exorbitant amount of time to get better. South have fired their whole physio team. Uh, Actually. Which, you know, like, like it's fair enough. Maybe they got it so wrong, but it's it's a calf. Like, I just like I don't see how they could get it so wrong that it would be their fault time and time again for ten weeks or something like that. Mm. I, I just find I, like maybe that's my physio bias in me, but I, like I think we all recognise that for Latrell to be the best version of himself as a fullback and once again not trying to body shame anyone just talking from purely you know physical assessments he could lose five or ten kilos and be a better fullback i think Mm. like you know to to cover those meters to reduce his injury risk for those calf hamstring kind of issues that are popping up so once again his his upside is astronomical um, but I just, I've got him around pick seven, I think is, oh, no, sorry, pick six. I had him, I did my top 10 this afternoon. So once again, like he's probably a, like he's in the conversation for pick four after KP, if I don't have those injury concerns, but at the moment, because his upside probably isn't as high as someone like Turbo, I've, I'm picking him after Turbo. Mm. Yeah, we agree. We've got him pretty I think you've got him about six or seven. Yeah. 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 And I mean, everyone's sort of thinking around the same thing. You just get a good vibe at the moment. You know, he seems happy. He's bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah, There's there's a vibe there. And I think you're drafting him on vibe. I've owned him before and he was fun to own. I think I owned him in 2022. So obviously didn't play a full season again. I think he only played 14 games, but... Still fun to own because you watch those bunnies games, oh. and he's the type of player where he could be on a twenty points with sixty minutes. I'm getting, in. I'm getting full, and, full SJ vibes from preseason last year. Yeah, same, same, same go, yeah, like same it. go yep. for sure. Yeah, I like it. So yeah, I think vibes wise, huge, like huge season. I just have a few conditioning concerns, but one of the best things for conditioning 
is motivation, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, the mental battle. Because that's what conditioning is, right? It's just mm. the mental application to go and do your conditioning training, to go and do your rehab. Like, that's a mental battle. Like, I know physically it's hard, but for these guys, they are some of the best athletes in Australia, let alone the world. So it's a mental game. It's, you know, it's mental application. So if he's in a good headspace, he might be in his best conditioning we've ever seen. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still I'm still grabbing him at pick six. He'd, yeah, he'd be pick five over Walsh if he didn't have those... Um, those injury concerns and probably potentially even pick four over turbo. But yeah, I just think turbo's probably got higher upside. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, what about Ryan Pappenhausen? Yeah. So sorry. I'll just, I'll cover turbo really quickly. Cause I know I've sort of yep. said, yeah, like pick four in, in terms of turbo with injury concerns. Yes. The hamstring is still there. Um, it's 12 months on from his hamstring. So that that really helps. Like you take a KP, for example, and this is why I put out like my big thing, particularly for classic, was saying if Kalen Ponga, why not Tom Trebojevic? Because there's just yeah. so many people who mm. are like, Kalen Ponga, Kalen Ponga, first one pick, first one picked. And I'm like, but why not Tommy Turbo? Because their injury risk is relatively similar. You look at somebody who's had 12 months without a concussion versus someone who's had 12 months without a hamstring, the hamstring risk gets way lower than a concussion does, like when comparing those two. Because time is like you can go and do, you can go into the gym and, you know, really train your hammies and, and go and do sprint training, all that kind of stuff. The brain is a tough one, right? You mm. can't, it's, it's hard. You can't go and, you know, do curls with your brain. Like, you know, like I know that's a, a pretty shitty example, but you, you can't. It's harder to rehab brain your brain. Curls. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> harder like it. to rehab yep, your brain. Write that down, Matty. Walker needs a few of them. Oh, you know, oh righto, righto. Jesus. <laughs> but it is. It's, hard, it's harder to, to, to rehab week. your brain. It's harder to rehab your brain. So I think... I think for Latre, sorry for Turbo, it's been twelve months. That's good, but there there are still injury risks. Uh, but you were talking yeah. about motivation as well, and Turbo's got it in spades. Oh, and, and that's he's, that's why he's I always... so motivated to to work on that hammy and figuring out how how best to um, get the best out of it. Yeah, it's why I've always yeah. got a soft spot for someone like Turbo because of the way he applies himself in rehab. Like mm. you know, and and, and, yeah. and to a similar extent, Pappy. Like you know, you yeah. see Pappy. Just really, really. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, and conditioning is never an issue for those guys in terms of how they apply themselves, mm. which is just fantastic to see. Um, so with Turbo, he's my pick four. I just think in healthy games last year, I think though there was a three game stretch, and I'll be honest, I was even got caught up in it a little bit. Everyone was kind of really, really focusing in. It ended up only being a three-game stretch where he had back spasms, he had a hip pointer, and then he had an adductor strain. So he had three games back to back to back. And we on the Magic Sponge were really critical of Manly pushing him out there every week at less than 100%. He looked busted. And it ended up in the third game, he suffered an adductor strain. And that really killed him. But you take those three games out and he averaged 100 like, yeah. you know, like that, that, and, and you would hope that once again, they've learned a lesson that they're, they're not, you know, going to have that happen again, because that is an anomaly for that kind of thing to happen. So yeah, like, I just think his upside is huge. Uh, I think Manly 
hopefully get better this year with a few pieces around them. Uh, you know, Luke Brooks coming as much as that's a bit of a meme, uh, you know, should improve them. So, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm solid on turbo at pick four. Especially like, and this is how I like to think of it, right? So just say you get pick four in your draft and you pass on turbo and you say you take a Walsh at pick four and then pick five takes turbo and you sit back and watch turbo average 115 for the More. year, plays 22 Could games. Not be worse. Honestly, delete app, delete team, <laughs> yeah. delete friends and start again you've, in another you've country. You've got to start a new league. You got to go. A new got, life, yeah, new yeah. life. Need a new passport, new driver's license, a whole bit. Get out of town. You'd, you'd just be the worst. <laughs> so I'd rather take him and it not work out than pass on him and watch him just kill it for someone it's, else. Yeah, like Walsh. Walsh is just such. He's he's far and away the standout from an injury standpoint amongst those elite fullbacks. Him and Drinky, right? Because they just don't have that recent injury history. Mm, but yeah. also, and I might leave to eat my They've got to work so hard for their points. That's, and, and I might leave to eat my words here because who knows what Walsh is going to become. But I just don't think he's got 115 average in him at this point no. in time. Whereas Turbo absolutely does. So that's yep. why I'm taking Turbo at four. Yep. We're, we're drinking the same Kool-Aid, brother. Yep. Yeah. And then, so Pappy, I think he's going to be better than a lot of people think. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people have him you know, written off with all the things that have happened and, you know, it all looks pretty significant. To be honest with you, the, the ankle dislocation, as as graphic as it was, we see guys consistently come back from that injury in about 10 to 12, well, 10 to 14 weeks, I should say, and perform relatively well from the get-go. So the actual ankle injury, I'm not all that concerned with. It's still the knee, like that left it's over. It's the mental it was, side of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The, the mental side as well, getting over that. So, like, the knee obviously was just such a battle for him. It's like how much of that is still there. Um, I'm still happy to take him, and this is might be, I don't know where you guys have him ranked. But I'm high, happy, high. Yeah, I'm happy to take him at, at like, around pick 9 to 12 um, is, is kind of where Fuck. I've got him. 9. Okay, yeah, we didn't so have him like, quite that high. We definitely had him round 2. Yeah, now, this is interesting. I have him there, and the reason I have him there is because, and I explained this on the fallback podcast, is if you don't take him between pick eight and, say, 14. He's not getting there's, back to you. There's a, well, there's a good chance no that chance. the Cleary or Hines owner gets him, yeah, right? Because oh, once yeah, you get right. back through to pick 13, 14, then you start getting into the run of the guys that pick the elite fullbacks in round one. So your Latrells, your Walsh, Turbo, KP, Drinky, and then they're not going to take Ryan Pappenhausen because they've got a fullback, right? Mm. So then Pappy keeps slipping That's and slipping risk. and slipping, and then all of a sudden the Cleary owner gets him. I, I just honestly, I can't let that happen in, in any league that I'm I'm in. So if I've got a chance to take Pappy before you know it gets to that pick thirteen, I have to because I can't. Yeah. You just can't risk one of those Hines or Cleary owner getting him because then it just could be over. Yeah, I, I just had a look at my ranks and I've got. Uh, Pappy and Dylan Brown, 9 and 10. So I'm happy for you to go either way on those two. Uh, goal kicking wise, if you're fit to play, you're fit to kick. I just wonder whether, especially early on, like Nick Meaney's a really accomplished goal kicker, whether mm, they just like kind of give concern. it to Meaney and not have Pappy have to think about it. Um, but even with that understanding, I'm still picking him at 10 because I just think Melbourne are going to be good again. 
Uh, I think the addition of Sean Bloor is a really solid one. Mm. Um, and I just, yeah, I, like I, I think Paps can still be good. The difference with Paps and why, I like obviously quite significant injuries in in recent times, but why he's not you know, in that group with your turbos and your latrells and stuff like that, the re-injury risk probably isn't as high because once again, you're talking about like contact injuries that are just fluke injuries. Maybe you have a compensation injury like a calf strain because he's compensating or something like that. The main issue here is performance. Is he going to be as fast as he was? Is he Mm. going to be as agile as he was? What I'm going off there is all the reports out of Melbourne are really, really positive. Um, and and you can say, oh, they're bound to be positive. They were not positive last year during yeah. his rehab, right? Like yeah. well, they, it was pretty consistently like he's not, you know, he's not close. We're not putting a time frame on it. Whereas they've been really happy to be like, he's going to play a trial. He's, yeah. you know, he's in, he's good for round one. He's flying mm. around training, all this kind of stuff. So that kind of thing I do take a bit of stock in purely because of how the reports went last year when he wasn't going so well. Yeah, and also you've got the Storm, some of the Storm guns that are a lot better players now since he last were, you know, was playing well and playing consistent footy. Harry Grant's a better player. Uh, Jerome Hughes 100% is a better player. So you would think that would contribute to, uh, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen scoring well on Supercoach as well. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I, I like him around pick 10. Um, mm, that's good. I can I can see my team being built around a lot of juicy lemons that are worth a squeeze. Might even call my team the lemons because I like Sam Walker. I like Pappy. I, like, I mean, I'm big on Toby, depending on you where sound I get my pick. You a lot like me last season, and I cannot wait to see how this turns yeah, out. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I, like I'd be yeah. real I like hesitant. To pepper, I like to pepper a couple in now. Yeah, I'd but be not, I'd, not not banking on my my top three picks all being lemons. Yeah, I'd be real hesitant to do like a like a Pappy Walker like both of them because then you you're playing with fire with both. Oh, Matty, uh, you just got told son. Yeah, that that's I had him last year, I'm ready to be hurt again. Yeah, man. that's that's the hardest thing for me. Like I'm happy to take like one really big <laughs> yeah, risk in those early season. rounds. But yeah, no, nah, it's a uh, yeah. Oh. All right, let's uh let's get into I guess it's gonna be the happy ending for for Brian, so we can mm. tidy all of this you want up. Happy ending. I got Let me break it down for you, so you understand. I'll hold your hand like a small child. Oh, oh fuck! Oh my god! Fuck yeah! So, who do you think presents the most injury value? So, I guess you could call these injury booms, and then who's a trap due to injury? So, injury busts you can give me as many as you like, or as little as you like. Don't care. Yeah. Talk to me. Yep. So, I've said in the injury profiles, I got three this year. I went with one last year with Adam Dewey, and that didn't go so well. So, I figured, why not give you three shit picks then rather than one, like triple, triple the fun this year, and, and double down on the one that goes well. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, my three are Kiraz, uh, Max King, and Sean Lane. Like they're probably the three from an injury perspective yeah. that I am highest on. I think those three probably show, um, yeah, show clear signs from an injury perspective of an uptick in performance. Uh, so yeah, possibly I, I, the, the safest picks with re-injury risk as well. 
That's right, exactly. Like I'm not overly yeah. concerned with their re-injury risk uh, moving forward. They're, they're probably the three, and I guess you'd put Paps in there because I, I think he's probably the one who I'm highest on above like what everybody else is thinking at this point in time. I think like most people would yeah. be a bit nervous to draft him at 10, but like, yeah, I'm pretty happy to, to, to pick him there for sure. Then traps. Oh, this is a tough one. I didn't prep for this one, but I think probably my biggest one is James Tedesco. Um, okay. I, I mentioned Ooh. him earlier. I think the Roosters are going to be better, but just the concussion thing, I'm just like, you know, I've just spoken about how I'm happy to wipe um, Callum Ponga's concussion history, not wipe it to the side, but, you know, like, I just don't his, think... His performances were way better. That's, yeah. Right, like, yeah. like once again, we say KP's got 120 average potential. I just don't know. Mm. Once again, have we seen the best of James Tedesco? A bit along the Tohu Harris line. I think the Roosters are going to be better this year. And with the side that they've got and the depth, they can't not be like, uh, yeah, they they just have to be better. But I really worry. Tedesco, we spoke a lot about his concussion risk heading into 2023, and he suffered two more concussions. That's a nine for his career, which I think I haven't checked every player, but I think that's the highest active number um, oh, shit. in the Far comp. Out. So that's a lot of concussions. And he was like, you could turn it back on me and say, but Brian, he had two but he only missed a week both times. But I'd say that was just really lucky. Like there's mm. no – like that very, one of those concussions very easily could have had lingering symptoms for six-plus weeks and then you're losing Teddy for an extended period of time. His concussion risk is just really, really high and his risk for requiring multi-weeks is also really high as well. So, there, yeah, that's probably – He's definitely my standout of like, yeah, I just don't really don't really want a part of him at this point in time. Um, other bus, I think he's probably I'm I'm pretty positive this year, I'll be honest. Adam Dewey, I wouldn't touch him. Jaden Braley. Yeah, Jaden Braley. That's that's probably mm. yeah, that's a good one. That's my other one. Um Jaden Braley, I'm not I'm not interested in um at all from where you know where where he's going. So they're probably my I, I'd say they're my three. Quick, I like quick, that. And now, quick circle if back. You had to, oh, yeah, go. No, I just want to ask a, ask a question. How, how far do you think we're away from like baseline testing for for head knocks and things like that, mate? It's so hard because the NRL is so insular when it comes to this stuff. Like they're like I I have like concussion researchers and and these kind of guys who are experts in their field, but out of the NRL circle. Mm. Right, who yep. message me all the time with stuff and frustrations and look at this new evidence and all this kind of stuff. It's just so hard. I, I don't think I'm, – I'm not sure from what I can sense. They, they don't take a lot of – like there's a few doctors who are like the NRL doctors and yeah. it's like they're the ones that we're kind of – and they don't seem too – interested at this point in time in pushing like the saliva testing and these kind of more objective measures, these eye right. tests and those kind of things. 
it's definitely the future, but mm. uh, like I'll be honest with you, just with the vibes I'm getting, I just don't know whether it's a priority at this point in time. Yeah. I'm not saying like player safety is absolutely a priority and they're proving that by what they're yeah, doing yeah. in different components, but I just don't know whether they're pushing super hard for objective testing. The one thing they have brought in actually this year is the mouth guards with sensors in them. They don't like diagnose oh, okay. concussion, but they more measure um, because effectively what they're finding a lot of in current research is that it's less about how many concussions you suffer and more about cumulative load to the brain over time. And when I oh, say okay. this, I'm talking more like post-career, CTE, that kind of stuff. Out so of when I say issues and things like that. Yeah, that's right. So when I talk about Tedesco's nine concussions, it's not based on that post-career it's you know it's more like how much force has his head had over time and that's what these mouth guards measure is like that g-force mm. and it's like a training all that kind of stuff so they are moving into that space so i think that's their next frontier is kind of measuring trying to measure how much force has gone through those noggins mm, fair play. right brian if you had to pick one bloke that's going to redeem your awful call of adam dewey from 2023 who are you going here? Is it your boy Kraz? Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's my guy. Uh, he's my guy for twenty twenty four. Kiraz oh, is my injury guy for the year. Yeah, I'm just yeah, all about yep. him. I think yeah, Very round... skulled the Kool Aid. Yep, I'm in. I'm in. I just think uh, Bulldogs, please don't be shit. Is what I would. That's the, oh. that's the only thing. Yes. Isn't it? it's like never pray just for score that. points. Never score some points, <laughs> please, please. Just at like forwards, just like make at least forty five meters a set, and and, and Maxi King playing like seventy five minutes a game. Yeah, that's right. Need but, to. <laughs> yeah, let Max King just play eighty, run yep. for two hundred meters. Kiraz, yeah, I I just I just would love. I just think he's got 80-point upside, which he showed, right? Like, he showed. He, yeah. he averaged 80, and there was no reason that he couldn't do that if he didn't get injured, and the injuries were unlucky. So, yeah, give me Jacob And, and, and also, the, the high ceiling might come as well with better team around him. Potentially. So. Like, I think a CTW averaging 80 over a season is fucking tough. Like, we saw, mm. you know, uh, Mars U even playing outside of red-hot Kalamponga still only average 76. So mm. it's really tough, especially when you're not a goal kicker. That's really tough to average 80. But, yeah, um, yeah, he's my guy. And the thing is, like, he he does have that base power that oh, can, can rival Marzu. It's the best yep. in – I think it's the best in yep. the game because I think Marzu did what he did with so much more attack in his game mm, yeah. than, like, Kira's just the offloads, the tackle bus, like, the runs. Like, I, I swear some weeks he was scoring, like, 40 to 45 points just in runs or something, like, absolutely obscene. And I'm like, how? How is he doing this? But, yeah, go for it. Get in, get in my. Please don't do an Adam Dewey. Yeah, no. It, and the thing is, it's like, and the, I actually left Kiraz out of our top ten um, rankings just for like it's a bit of like. Shh, let's not talk about Kiraz too much. But then everyone hit me up in the comments, and I was like, "Yes, no, we're big on him." But can everyone shut the fuck up about Kiraz? <laughs> like, yeah. let's just pump the brakes. And everyone's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." No, we get you. Oh, good gear. Yeah. Right, who's winning the Super Bowl? Oh, I don't. I've I've got a few mates who are massive Forty ers fans, so I'm on the Chiefs because I love seeing my mates sad. 
I, I like it. I want the Niners to win. Yeah, right. But I think the Chiefs will yeah. win. Yeah, they got the yeah, big, it'll be close, the big but... boys, the big big game players. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, 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 think, I think Swift will be the big winner. You'll be watching it for Swifty? Timing, timing to release an album just before the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, she's a smart girl. Very, very smart clever. girl. Big very rebrand. Clever. I mean, she's yeah. not silly. I, she's not fucking silly. Fucking pump him. All right, Brian. Thanks again for coming on. It's one of our favourite it rub is. downs of the whole entire season, mate. It's honestly you can hear hear us changing our minds as we talk to you throughout the the podcast. You know what I mean? Because we do put so much stock into how you view players um, when when concerning injury. Yeah, no, appreciate it, boys. I try my best. I think this year, my I will apologise that my I was saying to you guys my breadth of knowledge, like just with real life stuff, I I didn't get to do my usual two hundred and fifty player, um, you know, injury profiles. It's only about eighty, just over eighty this season. So I certainly haven't uh, dove deep on those, you know, deep deep sleepers or or anything like that. But I still think. The, the guts of, like, I've got a pretty good, and as I said, I'm learning every year, right? Like, mm-hmm. I learn, like, I'm not perfect. I, I never would ever claim that I'm, you know, like, even though I am a physio and I treat people all day, every day, you still, like, I have patients who, you know, I learn things from and all that kind of stuff, and I learn on the run with this kind of stuff too. But I think every year that passes, my my processes become more refined um, and my ability to kind of read situations uh, become better because, you know, like last year with Dewey and Dewey and Braley, that was a real lesson for me. I was like, right, you know, you, you, Brian, you have to consider those early ACLs more. I think it was, they were a bit of freak occurrences because I looked back over previous seasons and there was never two in a season, you know, which like mm. the first seat, like, you know, in that first season back or re- relatively that first season back. Mm. But um, yeah, like that, that's something that I learned this year that I've got to put more stock in the re-injury risk for ACL injuries. And I've, I've baked that into someone like Bo Firma, who I, you know, probably am not as high on as consensus. So yeah, try, try my best to, to give some things out for people and uh, hopefully it can help me out too. That's the one thing I'm devastated about not doing the 250 is I think I'm going to be a shitter draft. I had like, <laughs> one, of my, one of my best draft years ever last year because I think I just, because I dialed so, in. Yeah, yeah, I put so much effort into so many players that I kind of, yeah, I just uh, did really well in draft last year. So hopefully it can happen again this year. But yeah, with how busy I am, maybe not. Well, how do, how do people get onto your Patreon? Yeah, patreon.com slash NRL physio. Jump on over there. The injury profiles, look, you get it free with a sub, which is five bucks. If you're not interested in subbing and you just want to buy the injury profiles themselves, it's like a seven bucks to cover the the extra fees that come with that. It's it's on Patreon as well. I found out that you can put um, documents and stuff on Patreon too. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash NRL physio. Listen to the Magic Sponge. It comes out late, late every Sunday night, but it'll be there in your feeds on a Monday morning every week during the season. Absolutely uh, necessary viewing. Yeah, yeah. And other than that, jump on uh, jump on the Rubdown, Patreon, all that kind of stuff. Get involved because, you know, guys like us, we... Yeah, we, we give up our time, you know, because we enjoy it, number one, but we're, you know, like sometimes we're giving up more than more than just our free time at different times. So it's always good to have that support mm. from uh, from people out there, that's for sure. 
That's it. And like, obviously you're getting something from our patrons because uh, there's a lot of information that we're providing on there. But if you, you know, if you listen to the magic sponge, if you listen to the weekly rubdown, if you enjoy the content, some of the free content that we put out and you want to support us, that is the best way to do it. Yeah. 100%. And you get something in return as well. And especially, and for, also, especially for Brian's gear, it's stuff that you cannot get and no one is anywhere producing else. anywhere else. Yep. So, yep. 100%. And then also you've got things on your Patreon as well, like links to your Discord. Um, I heard on your podcast as well, you've got, um, I think, a draft comp for the subscribers as well, things like that. Yeah, 100%. So we'll have a draft. We'll have a, probably have a couple because we've got a draft comp from last year that all the boys seem keen to go around again, which is good. And a bit like you guys, like we probably had a bit of fun last year with a few guys who it was their first ever draft comp. So like... <laughs> Yeah, like James James at one point um, had the number one waiver and someone dropped like Jeremiah and Nanai. So he picked up oh, Nanai and Nanai went on that late season run. And so, yeah, like things like that. But yeah, like it's like, you know, once again, like guys, even those guys who fucked up royally are back again for this year because they enjoy draft, right? Like that's yeah. really cool. So, yeah, we'll probably have a couple of draft comps going only for patrons. But yeah, like the value is like every week, like I just don't have with how stupid NRL physio has gotten in terms of the size. I just, I'm just a dude. Like I still work, you know, 50 hour weeks uh, being a physio and I still parent two young, beautiful daughters and try and keep my wife as happy with me as possible. So uh, like time, yeah, that's right. So time wise, there's just not enough time. And I, I genuinely do apologize to anybody who's in my DMS in Instagram uh, Twitter, wherever you are, like I promise you, I'm not ignoring you. Like I'm it's not right. looking They're asking at your Pappy message directly now, so it's yeah, fine. like I, yeah, that's right. But <laughs> I, like I genuinely am not ignoring your question. I just do not have the time to cover the amount of questions there are, it, especially during the season. It gets ridiculous. Like I would need, I would literally need to put aside a day equivalent of a day's work a week to cover that and it's just too difficult so that's what the patron is is i do question and answer once a week where it allows me because of that um you know that money that comes from patron i then put aside a couple hours a week to be like i'm going to answer questions i'm going to do up a casualty ward of every injured player in the comp every week and i update that every tuesday night after team list so you've got it there ready to go for that week for your waivers you know all that kind of stuff so yeah that's that's what it's about it's about giving you the insight outside of you know uh so and so is expected to miss four to six weeks because i'm i try and keep that pretty um you know pretty like straight up and down in terms of what the clubs are saying these days like i try like you know i i don't want to you know, get into fights with clubs, which I have many times in the past. Um, so I try and keep that straight up and down. So then over on my Patreon, I'll give, your number one supporter. That's right. But, you know, I'll, I'll go over to Patreon and say, you know, Canberra said six weeks. Like, I, I think that's overs. I think he can come back in three, you know, little things like that. So that's kind of where mm. I give that insight these days. So, yeah, jump on over there and hopefully you find some value. 
Awesome, brother. Thanks again for coming on here. As I always say, it's it's better rubbing, rubbing one out with an extra pair of hands and with three pairs of hands on it. Whew. Hello. I've got an experienced set of hands too, mate. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, soft, supple, experienced hands. Fantastic. I'm surprised right, brother. those hands that didn't, um, didn't finish quicker. <laughs> yeah, it was a long rub. <laughs> Took your time with us, that's for sure. Thank All you. right, brother. Thanks again. Good luck in your drafts too, bro. Yeah, you guys too. Get that India. Get that India.